everyone. Welcome to the happiest pod on earth. I'm Ariel. And I'm Steph. And we're both Disney fans, but we're really so much more than that. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist who uses my clients' passions and fandoms to help them grow and heal from trauma. And I'm an educator who uses my passions and fandoms to help my students grow and learn about themselves and the world around them. Here at Happiest Pod, it's a place where we dissect Disney mediums with a critical lens. Why? Because just like we are more than just fans, we expect more from the mediums we consume. So what Disney media are we dissecting today? Today we are talking about something we were both super excited about, and it is the movie Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. The song that came in my head is like a G6 because I just heard it the other day. <laughs> And it took me back to like 2010 when Far East Movement was like the only Asian representation we had in mainstream media. Mm -hmm. And it was like, it was like all of my cousins who liked racing and DJing, (laughs) they like made it big. And I was like, is this the beginning? Like, this is so weird, but this track's such a banger. Like, what's going on? (laughs) It's not cheesy. A uh, little fun fact, I had to perform that song at uh, Steph's wedding. So uh, yes. I can do, the, uh, I have a dance move and a breakdown and the rap, good to go. Who would have thought, what's, what a cultural significance it had. And fast forward to t- 2021, we have a Marvel superhero and a movie that represents Asian culture. Like, that's wild. Yes, it's absolutely crazy. And the fact that uh, this movie came out during a pandemic mm-hmm. and it is it is making box office hits yeah it's non-stop right now it is so far the box most that's the biggest box office success story of the pandemic and as of yesterday Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings has grossed 152.6 million in the United States and Canada and 112 million in other territories for a worldwide total of 264.6 million dollars that's major that's major. absolutely major. And then if you think about it, because um, we're not including Disney Plus uh, subscription yeah. streams or premieres because mm-hmm. it's not premiering on Disney Plus. You can only see it in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, uh, Luca and Soul were the only ones that yep. skipped theaters entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, and Disney had released like five movies in theaters and Disney Plus with Free Guy actually being the first one that is just theatrical only. Yeah. But so this is the the first Marvel theatrical release release only since the um, pandemic. Mm-hmm. And there was a whole controversy about how um, I don't know if it was Disney or uh, some executive tweeted that it was like an experiment. And Simu Liu came out on Twitter and was like, we are not an experiment. Like, mm-hmm. don't talk that way about something that's so culturally significant to us. And although they might have been talking about the release as an experiment, I think that totally downplayed what Shang-Chi means to us in the AAPI community. And, you know, I, I thought that it was right for him to kind of speak up against that because we were, mm-hmm. we don't want people to focus on the way it's being released, but we want people to focus on the content and the storytelling itself. Yes. Yes. Uh, the really really interesting thing about this movie is it does make me also think of the live action Mulan in the style um, uh, that the stories portrayed and the filmmaking. It's very reminiscent of um, Wuxia. Mm-hmm. 
Wuxia. Close to Wuxia. Yeah. Some, some people, people say, say Wuxia or Wuxia. Yeah. Uh, and it, that is a traditional form of um, specifically popular Chinese fiction that contains like a very specific formula. The elements include usually honorable warriors, powerful swordsmen or swordswomen, powerful swords, and a lot of magical and mythical beasts. Mm-hmm. And um, before the movie had come out, of course, you know, people do somewhat spoilery spoilers, which we will also say, yes. you have not seen this movie. Do not listen to this podcast. Do nope. not listen to it. Yeah, pause right now. Listen to um, our good friend Billy <laughs> and his podcast, <laughs> Spoiler Free, on the Movie Grader. Or I'm sure there's other GT podcasts that you can listen to that might be spoiler free, but we are not it. So please pause um, because there are going to be many spoilers ahead. Yes. So my spoiler wasn't actually a spoiler, but it kind of was. Like I knew there would be mythical creatures, mm-hmm. but there were a lot of. Um, pictures online being shared of the creatures and they're like very close representation to Pokemon. Oh yeah. <laughs> I did not see those spoilers, but the way I like screamed and gasped because my favorite Pokemon fun fact is Vulpix. And yes! of course Vulpix evolves into Ninetales. Yes! However, knowing that I've watched many anime and other like of course Wushu films and I'm like a little bit educated in um Asian uh, history and mythological history. Um, we know that the Ninetales is a mythological creature that goes way, way, way back before Pokemon. Yeah, I just think the way that they did it looks so much like a Ninetales yeah. that you couldn't not think, <laughs> "Oh my gosh, are we getting the crossover I never needed right now?" Is like somebody gonna pull out a Pokeball? No. And then you saw, and then you saw the lion. And you're like, okay, this is more traditional. This, this is, is more what I was expecting. And and specifically the uh, Aloha. Oh yeah. Yeah, the that that nine tails. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Alola uh, nine tails for sure. Yeah. 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 Aloha. Alola. Yeah. <laughs> ding 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 ding. Um, we have one, everybody. Ah, uh, oh, I tried so hard. It's okay. it's okay. I get it. Um, but yeah, you're right. I think um, now that you mentioned Mulan, although I did like. I didn't hate the film, but I didn't love it for mm-hmm. though that for that specific reason. It didn't remind me of a Wushu film. It didn't remind me of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. It didn't remind me of Ip Man. It didn't remind me of the level of martial arts I'm used to seeing in okay. many of these Asian films. I mm-hmm. feel like it felt short. The scenery was beautiful. I think mm-hmm. the location was absolutely breathtaking. But Shang-Chi, the way they did it and the flow of where the martial arts were placed how intricate it was and Mm -hmm. the angles it just made me feel like I wasn't watching a Marvel movie in those moments yeah my only disappointment with that film had to be the fact that there was no singing (laughs) (laughs) it holds a special place in my heart for sure for sure but if you think of like the the um, comparing the two films in regards Mm -hmm. to the martial arts it was really only the main character that Mm -hmm. had these um you know, fantastical performative choreography. Yeah. Um, everybody else seemed to be, you know, fighting with martial arts, but it wasn't in in a way that that looked like the the, the sudden magic. I guess you would say mm-hmm. that the the whole entire film would take, or the variety. Whereas this film, through like for, from the the beginning all the way to the you know the big boss fight scene, mm-hmm. we saw a variety of uh, martial arts styles, and um, we 
including uh, a lot that involved more fluid motion Mm -hmm. versus um, hard stances and low to the ground, which is um, the the kind of the work that we're introduced with um, the specific villain or main character, these sort of powerful hits. Mm -hmm. But if you uh, study martial arts in general, there's so many style, stylic differences Mm -hmm. um, that have uh, been taught by, um, you know, different monks that uh, it made sense that an older tradition or an older, more magical one involved fluid motion, mm-hmm. um, really replicating like the wind and being able to yeah. always stay within balance. <laughs> Lots of elements of Tai Chi. I know Fala Chen, who plays Ying Li, the mom, um, Shang-Chi's mom, she studied Tai Chi for the role because she does Tai Chi in one of the scenes with the young kids. Mm-hmm. And that's like mm-hmm. one of the ways that she's able to connect with her village of Talo is through those you know, simple movements of Tai Chi. And like that was just so beautiful to see. And the and uh, seeing the imagery of a, a mother teaching their children, but teaching their children a, a essentially a form of fighting. And mm-hmm. usually we don't see women in that role. Um, even even a a, a daughter in, in like lots of warrior films is being taught by a male. Yeah, yeah. It's usually the male passing down to another male, or you know like a grandfather per se like doing that I mean it even makes me think of Avatar the last airbender I mean Mm -hmm. that was very much in that same pattern of you know males teaching males and the women were just kind of outliers or you know they did something else which was obviously a theme in this movie that they decide to break which was also refreshing (laughs) yes and and really interesting how how I would say blatant they called out essentially yeah. like the the male um uh heterosexism and patriarchy uh in regards to uh both the the mother and um the the daughter Shang Chi's sister mm-hmm. because I would say in other films it's always tiptoed it's suggested um it's never like affirmed and put in your face in the same way this one has and also i like the way that it was it it was in your face but it wasn't thrown in your face i Mm -hmm. i think of um birds of prey was one of those movies a dc movie with harley quinn that was one of those movies that i was like it's a little too much in my face (laughs) i think they did it beautifully in shang chi because we all know that in asian culture it is normally a male dominated family like you know the father is the head and everything but for those of you who are living that reality you know that the mother is just as strong if not stronger Mm -hmm. than the father because there is so much burden on the mother to be so many different things wear so many different hats on top of also working and also you know being a caregiver um, like providing for the family in many many ways so i think also, like speaking as a Filipina American, a lot of the heads of our families are actually the mother because um, the moms are the ones just hustling and, you know, yes. busting um, just for their family to have a better life in America. And we do look up to our moms almost the same way as we do for our dads. And I think they did that beautifully here because they it, it helped Shang-Chi realize that both sides of his ancestry plays a part in his future Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. also kind of moving on to the whole second generation Asian American not knowing what they're doing in America (laughs) living down to every expectation that was given to them wow did that hit home to me (laughs) yes yes oh my gosh so before we get started on the movie where did you see it 
Okay, so I saw it um, at a new theater, actually. There's a new theater here in the San Fernando Valley. It's a regal theater. Um, Normally, like I said in the previous podcast, I go to Burbank, which is kind of like a big hub for movies Mm -hmm. um, because they have like three different movie theaters that have like six to 16 theaters each. Um, This one's a little closer. Um, It's like a 10 minute drive instead of like a 20 minute drive. And it was reserved seating, reclined seats. Um, And it was brand new. So not a lot of people actually know about this theater, which was a plus because I did take that into consideration every time I go to watch a movie because I'm not 100% like comfortable being in a movie theater at peak Saturday night, Friday night movie times. Yes. I'm still picking the Sunday, uh, the random day off that I have from work. And um, I watched this actually early matinee Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. so there wasn't a lot of people and uh popcorn was fresh it was all popped hallelujah (laughs) and it was overall really good experience because everything was new and um there weren't a lot of people in the theater probably i would say less than 50 percent capacity and and who'd you go with i went with uh, my husband and i went with one of my best friends jason and he is a huge uh, marvel movie fan Um, we have seen many marvel movies together and um he brings a very fresh and funny take to a lot of the things (laughs) that we watch so hopefully maybe one day he'll be on the podcast um, because it would be really fun to hear uh his take on a lot of these things yes yes Okay, so it, yeah. it definitely sounds like this movie theater experience was way better than, than <laughs> your Black, Black Widow. Widow. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I had to I had to kind of scale it back and was like, you know what, let's just go back to our roots and pick something, <laughs> pick something that's a little bit better and plan in that way. But um, where did you watch it? So um, I watched it at a drive-in theater. Um, it's a Mission Tiki Theater. Uh, it's about an hour drive away. Mm. It's not close. <laughs> it's not close. Uh, and uh, the reason why, and maybe we'll go into more detail about this in another podcast episode, mm-hmm. but my partner caught COVID and um, I had to take care of him and it took about a week and a half for him to be fully better. And then, of course, we did full isolation just to ensure that he was well. But um, when we went to the theater... He was no longer contagious. However, that didn't mean that we felt that he should be yeah. out and about. Uh, so we thought drive-in theater. I could. Um, I. I had. I was testing negative, and I was past my essential quarantine period. Which, by the way, for those who don't know, it's doubled when you're the caregiver sharing a bathroom in a home. Uh, because you are increased in the amount of time that you can uh, be exposed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we thought. Okay. Uh, we've done Mission Tiki Theater before. Yeah. We did that one other time when we saw the second Trolls movie. So we can go there again. And I had had some people tell me that the, this time the kitchen was open. Yep. And so I went. Uh, the tickets are $10. $10 per adult. And you get two movies. They're back to back if you're willing to stay late. Yes. And so um, it was uh, Shang-Chi and uh, Black Widow. Oh. which were the back-to-back movies. Hey. They have four screens. And technically, if you like pivot in your seat, you can see the other screens. <laughs> you can see the other screen, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we paid $10 for a ticket each. So that's $20. And then we bought um, three street tacos, mm-hmm. one thing of loaded nachos, one thing of medium popcorn, uh, pretzel, uh, M&Ms, and uh, Sprite. So you were not hungry. Uh, oh, we're starving. And um, 
it all cost about $32. All yeah. Of that. I love Mission Tiki. The time that I went recently was to watch The Tax Collector with Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> Um, and only because I had my baby with me and he was brand new. So um, we went and it was quite the drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, they, they had the kitchen open, but I didn't get to eat anything other than popcorn and hot dogs because okay. I think it was limited because it was still like yeah. kind of like lockdown time um, at the time it was playing. So, um, yeah, I, I love how old school it is where it yes. has um, the pavement is angled. Mm-hmm. So when you park your car, you're like kind of watching it from below up you're like yes and and that that means that you're always facing the screen you don't have to worry about the vehicle in front of you being too big the the other thing is like the the two times i've gone and i've seen that i was trying to think of other drive-in movie experiences i've had and i had one in palm springs it was not angled parking and it was in a dirt parking lot and then the only other like image in my mind about drive-thrus was greece And in Greece, there it's also it's a paved parking lot, but yeah. it's flat. It's not angled, yeah. and they have uh, poles at each car. I don't know if you noticed, so I thought yeah. that's like your your designated spot. Also, I think back then, um, remember when we went to Walt Disney World and we went into that cool restaurant? Yes, with, like, yes. It looks like it's a drive-in. Yeah, I love that restaurant. I know the restaurant was so great. <laughs> Those poles sometimes are speakers because back then they couldn't ah. broadcast the movie back then so those were speakers um because i remember the one here in the valley that closed long long time ago um it was super old school like that like (laughs) in the 50s like during greece and they had um boxes and that was their speaker okay well there there you go there you go (laughs) i just um i the the few times that i've gone i just remembered i assumed i'd have like quote unquote assigned seating with my car because of the that movie and the way it looked now I know that that's speakers. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> in this case, the, the audio comes straight from a radio station and they tell yes. you the station number. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, all of the uh, like all of the commercials. So there was a, only there's very few yeah. uh, trailers, but there are a lot of commercials beforehand. It's, isn't it weird? <laughs> yes. And they were all car themed commercials, either insurance or buying a car, mm-hmm. which, you know, apropos, we're there. It made sense in your car <laughs> yeah um i think i when i went there i turned back and they were playing nightmare before christmas that was kind of cool nice. <laughs> yeah but that place is really cool i i know that there's more drive-in theaters across america mm-hmm. um i think they're just um so many of them closed here and they've yeah. been turned into swap meets so yes. mission tiki is one of the ones that is still around but it is quite a drive from the metropolitan los angeles area and and it is tiki themed the yes. even the the ceiling um panels which you know you're usually like those white foam panels you'd see in office buildings mm-hmm. those have um uh, textured bamboo woven like uh, tapestry type pattern um, there are certainly tiki's throughout um, so if you are if you are into the tiki vibe uh, mm-hmm. very much like I am and I know Steph is yep. uh, that would be also a, a fun place to go simply for that yeah absolutely um, but overall good experience for you at the drive-in Absolutely good experience. Um, uh, my partner fell asleep, and not because uh, he didn't like the movie, but the man um, was recovering from COVID. He y'all. was recovering <laughs> from COVID, so uh, he's you know that that lethargy it it lasts. Mm-hmm. And also um, at the time uh, he hadn't regained his sense of taste. He has now. Still can't smell worth anything. Mm. Um, I can fart, and if I, if he can't hear it, he'll never know. I'll never know. He'll never know. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, I very much enjoyed it. And the one thing that you have to remember at a drive-in theater, if you haven't gone, you have to shut your car lights off. Yep. 
you have to know how to shut them off. And of course, always, always, there's somebody who doesn't know this or doesn't know how to shut their lights off. People will like hang blankets over their car lights because they don't know how to shut them off. And I don't know if like the newer ones just don't allow it because they have like fog mode or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, every time I've gone to Mission Tiki, I have not I've not had the experience where someone hasn't had the security guard like bicycle up to them and be like, you got to turn your lights yeah. off. I, that didn't happen to me when I was over there. Um, oh, lucky. I mean, yeah. I also, well, I mean, we got the like the second row, so I, I guess I would have seen. But also, how many people are going to watch the tax collector? Not a lot. <laughs> um, I was one of those people who watched it. It was, I did it. That was a thing that I did. That's all I got to say about that movie. <laughs> yeah, I would say that um, there. It was a Thursday, so there okay. was there was like nobody. Yeah. I would say there was maybe twelve or thirteen cars. There was, oh, wow. and um. Uh, there was uh, one couple that was seeing it from the truck bed of their vehicle and they just had pop-up chairs in the Cute. truck bed with blankets. Yeah. That was adorable. Yeah. And you're not supposed to turn your car around and lift the trunk and sit mm-hmm. from your trunk if you have like a hatchback yeah. um, unless there's not a lot of people, which they weren't. Or as long as your um, uh, trunk lid doesn't go over your vehicle, like isn't higher than your um, roof yeah ceiling yeah yeah car, what is car language that's actually what i was gonna ask you um because i remember that rule and then i saw people just like posting up like with their uh with their trunks up and i was like wait isn't that not allowed but also there weren't a lot of people so i'm like mm-hmm. okay well i mean i guess if there's not a lot of people no harm no foul yeah um, they'll let you get away with it um yeah. if it's not busy but like on saturday it's, it's usually more busy yeah. and if it's during like a movie release the mm-hmm. the security guard will bicycle around and be like yo no <laughs> cut it out <laughs> oh man that's awesome so um we all hope that your partner gets better um that he's okay. recovering and i'm glad that you got to have this experience even during his recovery period because um for anybody who has taken care of somebody who's had covid before it just doesn't end when they get better it's it's an ongoing thing and mm-hmm. it's you know like kudos to you ariel for going through that i know um it's not easy um and we all Thank wish you. you the best and Thank you know you. everyone out there stay safe i know we're all doing a lot of these things going out and about but um please stay safe because uh covid's still really real and um i am pro vaccine i'm gonna say that right now my partner was vaccinated mm-hmm. i was vaccinated he had a breakthrough case and i had given what symptoms he did have uh, i think it would have been a lot worse if he hadn't got vaccinated so yep. that's my stance i fully own it i don't i'm not speaking for anybody on the geek therapy network mm-hmm. but i say get the vaccine if you yeah. don't have um, a medical reason not to do it mm-hmm. absolutely um, so back to Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Um, there's a lot of big themes in this movie, right? Throughout the film, um, the narrative is um, propelled by the fact that um, uh, Shang-Chi's mother died. She uh, was murdered by essentially um, a, a rival gang felt like done wrong by his father, who uh, is a, what, three... 3,000-year-old 3, 3, dictator, uh, yeah. emperor. We see him in the beginning of the movie um, essentially leading an army, conquering um, mm. a certain village, a certain, uh, I guess, maybe it's even like a city from what yeah. I remember. Um, yeah. So he's clearly on this war path, uh, very akin to many conquerors in Asia. And we see him in historical garb. So we know that this is like 
pre-industrial era. Um, everyone's on horseback and he's basically become now because of his long life that the rings give him this uh, uh, warlord. <laughs> this, yes. Um, yes, that's the perfect like, word. Yeah, total warlord uh, in, in modern sense too. Like kind of like the way the triads were introduced in modern Asian films. Um, he would be a part of that world. So... Throughout the film, how we notice death is treated is it is in the forefront um, and and is not something to be feared. Mm-hmm. Um, even though we have uh, this warlord who is essentially immortal, mm-hmm. uh, we don't see any of the cast or characters um, looking at death as as essentially mortality or or the the end of purpose or belonging and i would say this is very typical of more asian cultures and communities um, that we have a a reverence of death and not so much a fear or um, an avoidance of it being uh, around us and so prominent in our culture Mm -hmm. Um, oftentimes if you're thinking of a western or more americanized culture Um, It's very hard to say someone's died. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to say the word death, Um, uh, burial. Like the, if we can, we'll say they passed. Mm -hmm. They're no longer with us. Mm -hmm. Uh, We will, we will avoid calling it what it is. Um, And with this particular movie in regards to the Chinese culture, um, we see that uh, they have a variety of ways that they uh, put honor towards death. Um, we see shrines as part of ancestry veneration. Mm-hmm. Shrines are made to honor the dead. They're often, um, you can find them in places of worship, such as temples or in households. Mm-hmm. Um, for the um, uh, specific scene where, um, uh, at the time, his name is Sean, and we'll go through that later. Um, <laughs> Sean is speaking to uh, Katie's grandmother. Um, uh, she mentions the Day of the Dead. Um, this is a specific festival that happens uh, in China around April. Um, I, if I pronounce this wrong, please someone correct me, but I think it's Kwaming. I think you're right. Um, and this festival, uh, often uh, families will go visit the grave sites of deceased loved ones to pay respect. They will provide offerings. They will leave fruits. They will leave flowers. And as grandma said, uh, alcohol. In this case, I think she was going to leave him whiskey. <laughs> yes. And um, she and he was like, you know, why are you going to leave him then? And she's like, well, he enjoyed it last time, which kind of implies <laughs> that she was probably drinking the whiskey instead um, on his behalf. On his behalf. <laughs> well, as a dutiful or, wife that she was. <laughs> or that this is common, right? That she yeah. has, she goes and visits the grave either fairly regularly mm-hmm. or during every festival season. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it is something that you will see in um, Chinese restaurants as well. They will have yes. like a little shrine um, dedicated to um, either the loved ones that have passed or also mm-hmm. to um, different deities that they uh, pray to. So mm-hmm. this is a very common thing um, that we see in Asian cultures, specifically Chinese cultures. And the really interesting thing about death in the movie is because um, uh, Shang-Chi's mother uh, was murdered, mm-hmm. um, he feels a loss, his sister feels a loss, um, uh, his father feels a loss. Mm-hmm. Um, though his father is the powerful one, um, his father is the one who essentially gets duped. Um, he's He is manipulated and coerced by a voice that sounds like his the, his wife's mm-hmm. and saying essentially i'm not dead i've been um stolen away and i've been locked up and you need to save me mm-hmm. and 
yes, he is the most powerful uh, character. So it makes sense that this creature who was attempting to coerce him knew that he would be able to let him out because he is the bearer of the Ten Rings. Mm -hmm. However, it's really interesting out of everyone's character arches, the individual who was used to being immortal, who was used to never even considering death, being the one chosen to essentially try and reverse death. Um, and, and not believing in an end. Yeah. Um, it, it definitely makes sense, I think, because he his association with death is now very different than that of um, anybody in the, tra- just in a traditional Chinese family because he has eluded it so long. Yeah, and there's a running theme that Wen Wu himself was never satisfied. He couldn't be satisfied with uh, the armies that he had, the places that he's conquered. Mm-hmm. And he only found solace in finding his wife and finding mm-hmm. a family that was essentially his. If anybody else was singing Hamilton when she said he would never be satisfied, <laughs> um, please tweet us because I know I was in my head. <laughs> only because you saw it not that long ago. <laughs> That's a whole nother story. That's a whole nother story. Mm-hmm. And for that to be taken away from him just gave him another sense of purpose, albeit a sort of villainy purpose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was his weakness. His one weakness yes. was that he couldn't attain something. And yes. that thing changes all the way until the end because he couldn't attain getting his wife back because he was duped and because he couldn't even see past the fact that it wasn't his wife anymore there were these like gnarly creatures just Mm -hmm. coming out Mm -hmm. of the um the barrier that he was essentially trying to break with uh the 10 rings um because he wanted that so much like so goal oriented and that's a very um asian theme that was all throughout the movie and resonates so well with us um you just laser focus you hone in on one thing and you you get it you grab it no matter what and this because it was an illusion essentially Mm -hmm. he could Mm -hmm. never attain it anyway Mm -hmm. so i mean in my opinion i think the way that they developed his his villain origin story was almost it was so tragic it was a very tragic um almost anti-hero i guess because i found myself towards the end and as he's looking at shang chi um in one of the final scenes of the film i really felt for him i was Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. oh my gosh you know like you went 3,000 years of your life searching for something and then when you found something it was taken away from you and now you have this this chaotic war that's like brewing and it could like essentially lead to something way worse yes and you kind of go what's in it for you like where do you I guess this is where you end Mm -hmm. (laughs) essentially Mm -hmm. so I think it was really it was really beautiful and sad and it really made me feel for the depth of character that they created with Wenwu which we will see it wasn't always his character right okay so um Marvel Comics history uh Director Dustin Daniel Creighton and his team, they rewrote the comics uh, uh, character, the Mandarin, into Wenwu. Mm-hmm. So originally, this uh, bad guy uh, in the comics is the Mandarin, which is an orange. <laughs> yes, and they address that. <laughs> um, 
And this character was developed during um, essentially a resurgence of yellow peril. Mm -hmm. Um, And so yellow peril is a term that was coined in the 1800s when Chinese laborers were brought to the U.S. to replace emancipated black communities for cheap labor. Um, White workers saw them getting paid, but even though they were getting paid less, believed that that meant that they were a threat to the livelihood of, uh, you know, these workers that resulted in the passage of the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882. And for those who aren't aware, this is actually the first law um, to restrict immigration based on race. Mm-hmm. So um, when we're talking about um, a, you know anti-Asian violence, um, for our, our country, it's, it, it went all the way back to um, the 1800s. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that uh, the director uh, and again his team for this movie, the reason they essentially symbolically chose Wen and Wu is Wen means intellectual depth and Wu means martial, martial, marsh, martial, 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 <laughs> yeah, martial prowess. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes, yeah. and uh, that I think shows more honor to that specific character. Yeah. Um, that we are now seeing that. He's supposed to be, you know, revered in multiple ways, both in his his intellect and his his, uh, you know, physical strengths. Um, and we we see that throughout the movie. He was mm-hmm. he knew, despite his children running away from him and under the belief that they've you know eluded him, he knew where they were the whole time. He yeah. knew the right things and right moves to get Shang Chi to reunite with his sister. Yeah, so such a classic. Uh... Asian parent to always know where their kids are and um, where they would be. Um, And also for him having so much power and having essentially um, hands in every gang probably in Mm -hmm. the world, Mm -hmm. he had this network of spies um, just kind of making sure that his kids were alive at least um, because he knew he needed them later on. Yeah. Um, So, and I wanted to add when, uh, my classroom uh, a couple years back was learning about the Chinese Exclusion Act. Many of my students were surprised that um, because they've seen Chinatowns, they know there's a huge Chinatown in Los Angeles and San Francisco. They could not believe that there was propaganda um, with uh, making Chinese people seem evil. And a lot of them were asking, you know, didn't they help build the railroads? Didn't they help build the cities? Weren't there so many Chinese immigrants? That's why we see like so many old Chinese relics in these big cities. And I said, you know, yes, essentially they were a huge part of the makings of these major cities in California specifically. However, um, the United States government did not see them as such, Mm -hmm. even though they did so much for the development of Western civilizations here, um, especially during the Industrial Revolution. Um, yeah. So it's it's something that I hope that they continue to introduce in yes. schools because it is a big part of history, especially if you live in big cities like Los mm-hmm. Angeles and San mm-hmm. Francisco. And I think that um, the way that Marvel Studios decided to... Um, own up to their mistakes of yes. you know including such a such a character like the mandarin which if you look up his uh his design he is like fu manchu like that yes. you know long beard like super long mustache um looks like some so- sort of sorcerer um a lot like in the kill bill movies mm-hmm. <laughs> her uh her trainer was very much in that style um but it it was more of like 
let's not let's not see this as something that's um, relatable, but something mm-hmm. as like super foreign and scary mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. our readers. And yes. I think it's it's great that Marvel decided to address it even in the movie. There are some lines in the movie that yes. um, poke fun at the Mandarin and also brought back the version of the Mandarin that we saw in the MCU, which was um, in Iron Man. Yeah, Iron Man 3. Iron Man 3. And just even addressing the fact that you're disguising something in order for it to look like something else was kind of like an even bigger theme in the movie. Yes. Um, And even in the Marvel Cinematic Universe themselves, like we are dealing with a lot of themes of uh, being duped and being tricked into something and not realizing that something is real, even though it's fake. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So I think the addition of uh, our friend, the Mandarin, who we did see. Um, <laughs> so who would have thought that he was going to be an actor, a thespian, specifically. a humorous part of the movie? I was dying at uh oh my gosh what is his ben kingsley yes. he is fantastic as the mandarin and his inclusion was such a surprise to me because i was trying not to spoil myself before the movie at all and i knew that they were going to bring a character back and it ended up being him as the mandarin who was also duped because he was locked away yes. in this basement in yes. china in this China, uh, character's name is a uh, Trevor Slattery. Trevor, yes. Trevor, Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> who is just like every theater kid. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, every theater kid, and um, I think it's a it's a worth it to go visit Iron Man three yeah. to see the 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 big differences between uh, the, that sort of like way they represented mm-hmm. <laughs> the the Ten Rings uh, and the the way they do it now. Yeah. Definitely. You you really see the evolution of the way that Marvel is thinking about representation. Um, and I think we do have to give credit to Black Panther for yes. paving that way um, because it was such a commercial hit and it hit home for so many of um, our Black and African-American friends and uh, fans that, mm-hmm. you know, without that, Shang-Chi wouldn't have addressed these things. And I think we wouldn't be consciously thinking about the way that our the, that the viewers are watching these characters come to life. And, and I, you know, and speaking of Black Panther, um, the music there, uh, all written and all inspired by um, Black and African sounds mm-hmm. um, and beats and uh, creators. And you were telling me uh, a similar thing was happening with this movie. Yeah, absolutely. So for um, Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, we had two separate soundtracks, just like Black Panther. There was one um, score that was the... Uh, orchestral score that um, was made but there was also a contemporary album that was also made as an accompaniment and that was curated and produced by 88 rising which is an all asian recording company and they um, are dedicated to the promotion of up-and-coming asian american artists Mm -hmm. not necessarily music artists from Asia that are singing in their native languages, but Asian Americans who are producing new music for um, audiences today. So it was really great to see um, people, even people who are part Asian, like Janae Aiko and Anderson Pack and um, so many great artists that contributed to the film. And a lot of Asian artists that 
are actually from Asia were included in the film as well, singing in their native languages and rapping in their native languages. And like you said, for Black Panther, the way that they incorporated um, African sounds, they did the same with Shang-Chi, mm-hmm. but they also gave, um, they paid a little homage to Chinese pop, Korean pop, Japanese pop, which mm-hmm. has been around for decades now and has evolved into a style all their own. So as a fan of all of those uh, different genres of music, I felt that when I was listening to the album. Um, and it was just like, I can't believe this is something that people are listening to. Yes, <laughs> Usually yes. it's something that you kind of have to keep secret to yourself and like get through different platforms. But here it is on Spotify for everybody to see. And they incorporated a lot of those songs in the film. Uh, I, I think they, um, we were also noticing um, what we were, or I guess, dubbing Asian Easter eggs. <laughs> yes, Asian Easter eggs. <laughs> there were a lot of, I mean, specifically Chinese customs, but yeah. some of them, you know, Asian that were uh, featured throughout the film. Um, right in the beginning when we see, uh, well, I guess in the first arch, I guess, um, we see Sean mm-hmm. um, visiting his friend Katie at her house. Uh, and he um, walks by the breakfast table and you see something called breakfast porridge. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead of bacon and eggs, a uh, very uh, Chinese traditional breakfast is a rice porridge known as konji or juk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know if anybody remembers the animated Mulan, uh, but that is yeah. exactly what Mushu served her uh, yeah. on her like first big day. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. I really love that, and I loved um, just his interactions with Katie's family. Yes, um, he greeted them all like they were his aunties, and that mm-hmm. is like a big thing. Uh, even though they're not really your aunts, like by blood or your uncles by blood, you mm-hmm. treat them like they are your aunties and uncles because, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a collective sense of family. And um, the way that he just sat down to eat with the family, kind of chop it up with them, um, mm-hmm. the way they kind of like took shots at each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also, yes. for, you know, not living up to their expectations is a very common thing in Asian households. Um, it's kind of like, yes, you got an A, but why was it an A plus? Um, <laughs> are you ever going to figure out? Uh, that was uh, resonated with so many of me and my friends. Um, and yeah, like I think even just like the subtle of uh, the subtle scene of him taking off his shoes to go inside. Um, yes. That just was a very important thing to highlight because that is uh, an Asian custom. Yeah, it's it's a traditional custom um, meant to show respect and honor mm-hmm. to the home, but also to prevent just tracking in, you know, dirt and grime and, and the nastiness. Yeah. <laughs> um, and even in, in greeting the family, he calls um, uh, Katie's grandmother, Wai Po, mm-hmm. which is maternal grandmother in Chinese. And he says it, like it's his maternal grandmother yeah. mm-hmm. um and and again um in many uh particularly asian uh, cultures and communities because we have a collectivism mindset we do not differentiate kin by blood mm-hmm. um although we have hierarchies within our family in regards to kin um when when someone has become close in our circle uh we have them use those same for uh, informal names those those like caregiving names mm-hmm. um that that we would uh, our blood kin Absolutely. Um, you will also notice uh, if you looked around that kitchen that there was a rice cooker and a hot water dispenser, something that you will again find in a very traditional Chinese household. Um, and the rice cooker specifically in many Asian households, I've got one. Uh, Steph, I think you have one too. Oh, yeah. I have levels of them. We have one for parties. We have one for 
fast rice cooking. We have one for a special rice. Um, I've had many rice cookies. And I think even a rite of passage for me, um, being an adult, was to buy the Zojirushi, like $300 one. <sighs> and when I bought that, I like was, you know, I had a moment where I'm like, I'm an adult now. I am... <laughs> fully an adult and I can do adult things because I can cook brown rice and <laughs> I don't have to wait forever in like the dinky little $10 one that I got from Target. So um, yeah, it was great to see familiar things. Yes. Um, and I think even like kind of going back to when they introduced Sean and Katie at their jobs, um, I'm sure many of these people who were watching Shang-Chi also watch Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Crazy Rich Asians was groundbreaking in itself and it was the first time we saw an all Asian cast. And the way that they portrayed the luxury car and the person stepping out, it was like, mm-hmm. oh, man, it's going to be another Crazy Rich Asians. And it was not that at all. It I think not. that was such a humorous yeah. moment where they portray Sean because he is the valet and Katie is too. Yeah. Um, and also the fact that Katie was a valet and there's that stereotype that Asian women can't drive well. Yeah. She drove that bus and did not kill a person. So. Did not kill nobody um, under duress. Yes. <laughs> It was literally falling apart. Her yes. life was uh, uh, in her lives along like with everybody else's. Yeah, um, yeah uh, that that I, I think uh, definitely broke some stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think something again talking about those uh, Easter eggs, uh, specifically Shang Chi naming himself Sean. Mm-hmm. Very um, important to note that because there are a lot of people that I've known in the past who have a traditional name in their native language, whether it be Chinese, Japanese, um, even Filipino sometimes. Our names can get kind of crazy. And uh, they decide to go by a nickname. And it's become something that my fellow educators have to kind of check themselves on sometimes because on the roster, you will see a different name than what they are called. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes now I'm seeing that parents aren't doing that anymore and they are choosing to have their birth name uh, be the one spoken and the one that they are called on which is a really good shift that I've been seeing lately in classrooms but um, yeah Shang-Chi not wanting to have that identity and that connection to his father and his past and not only because he did run away he did run away and uh, because it is not an Americanized, it's not an English name, it was just easier for him to call himself Sean. Yes. <laughs> and the little bit where they, where Katie makes fun of him and says, of all the names you picked, you picked Sean. <laughs> and if you guys listen to that bit, it is hilarious. I'm not going to say the whole thing because I don't want to spoil that part. That's one of the things that you need to experience um, because it, her name is Katie. And yeah. Katie is not a Chinese name whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm sure if we eventually find out her real name, she might have had a different one. I don't know she, if we, we do know that. She did. She yeah. she shared it. Uh, looks like her name is Chen Ruwen. Oh, okay. And uh, and her, she goes by Katie Chen. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. So Ruen is her her given name. Changing names and having multiple names is actually very common for immigrants and descendants of immigrants. And in the past, uh, in a few episodes, is uh, family names um, when you've immigrated sometimes get lost because they have been changed to sound more Americanized. Um, it, it, we we find that we lose entire histories um, for our family. Uh, when you do your genealogy, you might real, you might not know, um, there might be a hard stop for how far it goes because of how much um, the last, the surname has sort of been changed. Um, and when it comes to, uh, like you were saying in regards to your students, um, 
with my clients, I ask them, um, you know, what name do they want me to to use in session? What name do they want me to sort of note in my my documents as a therapist? Because I want to give honor to how they want me to call them. Mm-hmm. Like, like what what is the actual name you want me yeah. to use? Um, and uh, oftentimes, a, a lot of the clients will prefer their, their given name over uh, a nickname um, because they want to reach back to that heritage and that root. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think even kind of going a little bit further in that for us Filipino Americans, it's kind of hard to trace all the way back to our ancestry because many of our surnames were erased um, yes. when Spanish, uh, when Spain ruled over the Philippines for hundreds of years. So it's kind of been uh, an identifier for Filipinos to have Spanish last names. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very rare to see one that is uh, traditional Filipino or um, another dialect. So it's mm-hmm. really it's really great when I see those names because I know that that history is preserved. And um, I hope that maybe in the future they'll uh, have technology that we can help trace our ancestors a little bit better. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think it's great that uh, they address language as a huge uh, part of the movie and the mm-hmm. fact that many of the characters spoke in Mandarin for yes. a, a good chunk of the movie. Good, um, good chunk. I, I loved it. I was reading subtitles and I felt like I was watching uh, a movie that was do, doing due, due diligence to um, Asian cultures, specifically Chinese cultures. Uh, but in some areas, they weren't speaking Mandarin. They were speaking ABC. They were speaking ABC. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. John John says uh, he speaks ABC after he does this whole spiel in Chinese in Mandarin. And uh, because Katie and Sean don't speak Mandarin very well, as many second generation uh, Asian Americans realize when they go back to the homeland, they just can't communicate with the people around them because they don't speak the same dialect or they don't speak the same level of language. Yes. I know I felt that when I went to the Philippines or when every time I go to the Philippines, they speak um, a different sort of Tagalog that I, mm. I can never keep up with. And I, I out myself with the small <laughs> amounts of Tagalog that I know. And in America, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm super like I'm super fluent in Tagalog. And then when I go there, I'm like, uh, how do I say <laughs> How much is that? Um, but yeah, he John John reduces uh, Ronnie Chang's um, his character reduces the English language to just ABC because essentially yes. it is simplistic compared to um, Mandarin and um, uh, so many other Asian languages because they have a different character mm-hmm. style, a different writing style. They have mm-hmm. multiple writing styles, mm-hmm. and you can't say the same about English that way. And and ABC stands for American born Chinese. Um, and so this term can sometimes be used as like a put down mm-hmm. uh, to describe children of immigrants who speak English as their first language. Um, it's meant to basically say that you either don't know Chinese, Chinese customs, and therefore you're not Chinese enough. Mm-hmm. And I will say that that is a common experience uh, for um, uh, second generation children, um, for children of mixed races like myself, where you do not feel like you are enough of mm-hmm. your sort of like home culture or primary culture um if you're mixed that you're not enough of either or Mm -hmm. uh and uh it was it was used lightheartedly it was used as a joke uh but i think that it was really important that they put that in the film because that's an experience that many um uh asian american children have and it it was i i don't think anybody would have caught it if they weren't in the community in the community yeah not at all and even like just just that 
that struggle of not being Asian enough and that struggle mm-hmm. of not living up to that expectation of you, of being of your heritage, but mm-hmm. also uh, an American and mm-hmm. what that means to be uh, an American, um, but also what it means to be whatever heritage you are, whether it be Chinese, yeah. Japanese, yeah. Filipino, um, yeah. Vietnamese, you're always just like in this weird limbo mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. you're like I don't really fit into anywhere but I don't want to go all the way back and be yeah. fresh off the boat I don't want to be a fob um, yep. but I also don't want to appropriate any other culture because yeah. mm-hmm. that's also not me mm-hmm. so it's just this f- tightrope walk that yeah. you do <laughs> yeah but I don't want to be seen as like a, a Twinkie or a banana mm-hmm. where you are yellow on the outside and white on the end yes, so that is yeah. another sort of like uh-huh. put down or derogatory term And I would also highlight this isn't unique to an Asian American experience. I don't know if anybody saw the um, first Selena movie with Jennifer Lopez, (laughs) but there is a scene where uh, Selena's father is saying, we have to be more Mexican than the Mexicans and more American than the Americans to be accepted by both communities. Yep. Man, Edward James almost. Everyone's (laughs) dad at that moment. (laughs) I felt that. I definitely felt that. You know, to to go back to what you're saying about appropriation, we do want to acknowledge there has been a lot of backlash in regards to Aquafina, mm-hmm. uh, the actress who plays uh, Katie, um, uh, Shang Chi's best friend, um, and that is because Aquafina has uh, made her persona on, on YouTube and then in uh, various movies um, uh, using a black scent, which is an accent that is uh, known to um, have like colloquialisms that. Uh, hearken to the black community or culture in, in a stereotypical way. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that is very common, I will say, in regards to the appropriation of black culture and people who are trying to like sort of rise in the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we uh, where someone will take on this form and feature use it. Uh, and then once they've reached a certain level of fame, um, they will they will end it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I mean, one example that comes to mind is Justin Timberlake. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we want to mention it because we don't ag- agree with it, but we we also know as Filipino Americans specifically, um, we were raised in a community that was so colonized, we have lost a lot of yeah. our heritage. I would say that um, a lot of the things that we consider very Filipino, um, we are uh, unfortunately things we borrowed from other communities because mm-hmm. we had to. Yeah. And even when um, having the realization that so many of our words are Spanish words, mm-hmm. um, it's like, well, then what even is a Tagalog word or a Cebuano word or an Ilocano word? We don't, we we haven't had the chance to explore that. Mm-hmm. And I think um, many of us Asian Americans might even put ourselves in Aquafina's shoes, yeah. especially since she is somebody who is an outlier in the community, making it as an mm-hmm. actress, making mm-hmm. it as a comedian even. Um, I mean, her, Ali Wong, Margaret Cho, these are women who probably pissed off a lot of their ancestors and a lot of their family members to do what they love. And they have each had to take on different personas and navigate the entertainment industry in their own ways. So we do want to acknowledge that although we don't um, agree with the way that it might have been done in the past, we also do want to acknowledge that um Every story has two sides and um, 
Aquafina is doing a lot for Asian Americans now in the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. Um, even just her presence, as well as many of the powerful women in Shang-Chi, are mm-hmm. giving little Asian girls something to look up to, mm-hmm. someone to identify with, I think mm-hmm. is worth noting. Um, but we we do know that it is without controversy, um, but we hope that uh, like how Marvel is planning to do better, we also hope that these actresses and these entertainers do better as well. Yeah, and and you know, again, we're speaking from our experiences, um, Filipina Americans. Uh, we are not in the Black community, so we mm-hmm. understand this does harm to the Black community. Mm-hmm. But uh, and we can certainly empathize with that pain, mm-hmm. and we would love to have a further dialogue. Um, but I don't want to speak on the Black experience, absolutely, um, in regards to someone's appropriation of uh, their culture. Or not speak on, I would say speak for. Speak for, yeah. We are definitely not speaking for that community (laughs) um, as Filipino Americans. And uh, we are really just trying to reach and understand um, as best as we can. But we know that there are some things that we just will never be able to experience. And that um, it is a real thing. And it is uh, these are real valid feelings to have. Yeah. Uh, I would say that um, the final two sort of like Asian American uh, Easter eggs were that of the Guardian Lions. You will mm-hmm. see them. They're Imperial Guardian Lions. You see them throughout uh, the movie. Uh, they're often um, Chinese architectural ornaments, and they were made popular by Chinese Buddhism. And they are lions. Usually one is a male with a ball and another one female with a cub mm-hmm. uh, that are meant to protect the building from harmful spiritual influences and harmful people that might be a threat to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, you see one of them essentially come to life. Yep. Uh, that shit was kind of scary, not going to lie. Kind <laughs> of freaking scary. Um, so as this to essentially subtly suggest, because this is um, an ancient magical uh, village mm-hmm. that 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 this community uh, that these lines actually existed yeah um I, with I thought, dragons with dragons so yes. many dragons i feel like it was so funny that uh yet again aquafina is in a movie with dragons but she's not voicing this one yeah um, and i think i saw a tiktok of a little girl saying wait that's that's uh Raya or that's Raya's friend that's Sisu but yeah. that's not Sisu but it looks like Sisu <laughs> so I can see where kids might have been confused um because she is both in the movie does and not Raya compute and also in but um I think it was beautiful it reminded me of Spirited Away that uh the yeah. way that they animated the dragon and the way that yes. the dragon helps him to um accomplish his goal and save the universe essentially yes. um but these mythical creatures even um the little one with with, yeah. without the face he was yeah. so cute what was yeah. his name um oh d- morris yeah morris yes morris the cutest yeah. little thing um um but even the the bamboo forest and how that is like a mythical creature in itself it comes to life yeah it the is, labyrinth uh-huh it has a mind of its own because it is protecting the village yes. um but also draws from uh, Chinese elements of uh, being one with nature and nature having its own um, soul and having its own character Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. was a big part of this film as well because without that they wouldn't have uh, secluded this um, this town and also the use of water was so beautiful yes and then even when it comes to protecting the village um, and throughout the whole movie we see a lot of different martial arts weapons yep Um, We see uh, throwing knives, we see hook swords, and we see a rope dart. Um, A rope dart is a hybrid weapon that is used as both a dagger and a whip, and we see uh, uh, Shang-Chi's sister using it. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. And she was a big badass in the movie. She was like one of my favorite characters. Yes. Um, man, having uh, having that image of her in her room, mm-hmm. I'm so many of us can relate to that room of like a young Asian American girl just like rebelling and having those same posters those same aesthetics like we all went through that phase because Mm -hmm. we wanted to identify ourselves as different and we didn't want to be that poster model minority myth child we wanted to pave our own way and her losing her mother just you know made her become all that much independent and I think her saying the line Oh, I think when she was telling Katie, yeah, I created an underground fighting ring at the age of, I think oh, 11 this, it was. No, it was 16. 16, 16 yeah. That was it. Like it. I ran away and then I, I made an, an underground fighting ring. Uh, yes, uh, she did accomplish that. Yes, and it yes, is she a did. thing that she did. And because she's such a badass and she, um, I think her parallel story with Sean's was very interesting the depth that we went with her character yeah even though she was a supporting character um you'll you'll find this as uh for me especially as an um a sibling Mm -hmm. an an older sibling like there's so much that rides on whoever the girl is within the siblings Mm -hmm. whether you're the oldest or whether you're in the middle or the youngest there's always some expectation of you that you can almost never attain and I think that was one of the struggles that she went through and even identifying herself after being the leader of an underground fighting ring she was still longing for that acceptance and that validation that um, she never got from her mother because she never really knew her like that and Mm -hmm. she was definitely not getting it from her father Mm -hmm. even though she could probably go toe-to-toe with him um business wise. <laughs> yeah. I I would say the the final easter egg which is one that we have an entire episode that we talked about um here on this podcast happiest pod on earth is a uh, karaoke. karaoke. Boy were we seen. It's like oh. they heard our episode. I'm pretty sure they didn't, but <laughs> it's like they heard our episode. They had and Disney karaoke they did on there, Disney karaoke. y'all. They did they sang "Part of Your World"? <laughs> and there were so many times that I was like, "That is literally me at twelve o'clock in the morning saying I could go home, but <laughs> I can also go to the karaoke bar, which is open until two o'clock in the morning." Um, I we are very privileged again to, to live in LA, where we have a huge Korea town, um, a huge uh, Japanese. Um, Uh, enclave community and we have karaoke places that are open until two o'clock in the morning for Mm -hmm. you to sing your heart out on another level we are filipino so we have magic mics and we have things to sing karaoke with until Mm -hmm. god knows when um i think my brother and his friend were singing karaoke last night until like five o'clock in the morning (laughs) in the living room because we can do that and um i mean i guess i could talk about like one of the extra scenes yes Um, so please 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 um as we wrap this up please stay until the end all the way till the end um not only will this is a marvel movie if you haven't learned this by now (laughs) y'all check yourself because not only is there a mid-credit scene there is an end credit scene and in one of those scenes uh 
they see um, Captain Marvel and they see Hulk. And mm-hmm. you see Hulk's arm in a sling because he obviously snapped everybody back into existence. Yes. And as they're, you know, getting really into it, like, where is the technology for these rings coming from? Like, it's so serious. Like, it's almost like, holy crap, Avengers again. And then they go, okay, well, you know, rest up. Your lives are going to change because, you know, you are now the protector of the rings and your friend also. Um they're like, well, we could rest, but... And then you see them going to the karaoke bar with Wong. Yes! And oh, I love you, Wong. I missed you. <laughs> I'm going to be calling him Uncle Wong from now on because, because he's Uncle Wong. He's just yeah. that uncle. Yeah. You don't know where he goes. You don't know what he does. He doesn't have a family, but he somehow survives. Everybody has an uncle like that. <laughs> and you see them all singing Hotel California at the top of their lungs. And it was so delightful to see. And just like I think the same effect that the shawarma scene had yeah, in Avengers. Yeah. Um, it really brought them down to earth and made them so relatable because yeah, they are superheroes saving the world, but they can also go to karaoke bars and get choiced. Yes. <laughs> yes. And and it's really interesting the song choice for Hotel California because the, the theme of that specific song mm-hmm. is about the loss of innocence and the cost mm-hmm. of naivety and um when uh, we hear the story of how uh katie met uh shang chi she didn't know that um he was new to u.s soil so he was essentially young and naive um and but he also lost his innocence because he had lost the death of his mother Mm -hmm. he had um essentially killed somebody on uh, by the orders of his father he had um he's essentially that song is embodying that experience and then when we revisit it, um, we see Bruce uh, Banner, who is no longer uh, Professor Hulk. So that is yeah, interesting. that was interesting. Um, dun, dun, dun. We, we see him saying, like, welcome to the circus. And that mm-hmm. is almost a, a note of, like, checking into a new life, just like mm-hmm. checking into the Hotel California. And then, yep. of course, this whole whole place takes place in California, right? So this is, this is like, this is Shang-Chi's life now, that he is um, integrated into this uh, new American lifestyle and now he's integrated into the mcu as a marvel superhero mm-hmm. um and then we we notice that the the song ends with you know all of them singing with uncle wong and mm-hmm. um it's almost an invitation now for all of us in regards to this new marvel cinematic phase mm-hmm. that is apparently gonna blow our minds yes. uh, they keep saying that and this is already like the parallels i'm kind of connecting with this and Eternals and Spider-Man and we can talk about that in another episode but um, I, there were so many connections that I was making with the film and what's yes. coming up Yes, I think it's really exciting to know that uh, we are in a new era of Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, movies and mm-hmm. now TV shows with the introduction of all of our favorite Disney Plus shows so um, it's really exciting to see so um, overall for me I love the movie I think the only unrealistic part was um katie shooting that arrow (laughs) magically piercing um the the dragon thingy uh but other than that i think it just did so much for Mm -hmm. me as a filipino american uh, Mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. many of my chinese american friends um i see little kids with you know shang chi uh, merchandise which is really cool seeing figurines at disneyland um and pins representing different cultures is mm-hmm. so beautiful and mm-hmm. um i think that marvel is going in the right direction and i hope they yeah. continue to go in the right direction from now on 
Yeah, I I really loved it too. I, I love the symbolism of um, really, again, um, Shang-Chi integrating his two different parts. As someone who is of mixed race, um, it, I, I see those different cultures inside myself battle each other. Um, and so this was a great representation of them um, being integrated, working together, and um, uh, essentially helping me formulate my new path, which is exactly what he did. The rings were uh, surrounding him in a way not like his father's. They weren't. They weren't hard. They were different color. They weren't harsh grounding. Um, they they weren't used in just pushes and punches. Um, they they uh, were expanded. They grew. Mm -hmm. They shrunk. He he was able to wield them in such a different uh, way than his father um, because he was embracing the um, martial arts from his mother or essentially embracing his mother's culture. Yeah. Um, and so I think that uh, really that um, representation for me is not something that I see often mm -hmm. uh, and, and really laid out so beautifully. Yeah. And if you're not going to see it for all those things that we mentioned, watch it for the martial arts. Um, yes. It did it justice. Uh, it is like so watching um, a Wushu movie. It is beautiful um, in itself. I did not know that Simulu was not a martial artist. However, um, he absolutely crushed it in a lot of these um maybe stunts that he did maybe his son uh coordinator did and the person who fun fact the person who played the death dealer the one in the mask he <laughs> is a southern california native and he is vietnamese and um he made a name for himself doing youtube videos because he loved martial arts so much yeah. um so for anybody out there who thinks you know being a Jackie Chan and Jet Li is out of your reach um look up his story his name is Andy Lee um, and he has a fantastic story about um, the, his journey to being in Shang-Chi. Even the martial arts was paying homage to Jackie Chan. Um, there was one scene where Shang-Chi is fighting a bunch of goons on a bus and he wraps his jacket around uh, an assailant's arm and knocks him back with it. Uh, this is a parallel to a Rumble in the Bronx where um, Chan uh, is uh, a Hong Kong cop fighting off enemies and he uses his windbreaker to disarm a man with a knife. And then there was even another scene um, where uh, Katie is hanging off of scaffolding uh, made out of bamboo. And this was essentially paying homage to Rush Hour 2 where um, Chris Tucker's character Carter is hanging off bamboo and um, Jackie Chan's Lee has to save him. So um, if you saw this movie, if you connected uh, to it, um, not even because you're Asian American, but just because you love Marvel movies, um, go ahead and tweet us at happiestpodgt or DM us on Instagram at happiestpodgt and let us know um, your thoughts, your feelings. We want to hear them all. Yep, and we can't wait to cover more of a lot of these marvel disney things that are coming out because we are being bombarded with stuff so we are excited to go over all of that with you yeah all right bye bye everybody bye, -bye.